Mère, bonjour. <laughs> oh, no, je tombe. <laughs> oh, my God. Please delete all of that. Good day. Good evening. Good night. It's late at night. It's late. I'm tired. Well, also it gets dark at like four o'clock. Yeah. So, thanks. Do you do you feel it? Feel what? The seasonal depression coming on. (laughs) (laughs) I feel it. It's getting here. (laughs) It's coming early this year. (laughs) Yeah, the dark, the early dark is not very good. Welcome to the Insomnia Report, ladies and gentlemen, and everything in between. I don't know. It's episode seven. Se- lucky number is, seven. Is it? Yeah, it is. Okay. That is actually my lucky number. Ooh. Okay. Mine's 23, so we have a ways oh. to go. But Okay. I'm Margo. And I'm Elizabeth. We are really happy to have you here. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome. If this is your seventh episode with us or I don't know if you've been here before welcome back welcome back thanks for listening today Elizabeth and I will be covering our second round of true crime this one is a doozy this one this one really got me okay well I'm really excited to hear it I will go ahead and light the candle would you like to tell me what has kept you up this week hmm We've had a lot happen in the in the past week. Well, the election results are in. Yep. Ooh. But that made me sleep better, actually. So yeah, me too. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. What I really don't know what kept me up this week. I've had really weird dreams, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like what? We haven't discussed this. Excuse me. Normally we have dream. I talk. know it's um that we moved. Somewhere, but I don't remember where. I like our apartment. Yeah, me too, except for the recycling bin, which they have not collected. In like three weeks. And will not collect. For 21 days. Thank you. Thank Chicago. you. Thank you, Chicago. Thank you, Lori Lightfoot. Lori. <laughs> she knew that I have a shopping problem and needed to recycle like three boxes worth of boxes. And she's like, skip their bin. She's punishing you personally. Even though I've done everything she's asked me to. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a little hurt, Lori. This is what I get in return, Lori. (laughs) I follow your COVID laws. I haven't gone to bars or restaurants, and this is what you do, Lori. That's passive aggressive. That's petty of her. That is petty of her. What about you? Well... Um, I had a surgery on my foot and my foot, um, it's right where the foot and the ankle meet. So it's a very uncomfy spot because it gets a lot of motion. So I am on crutches and I am not feeling super great, but you know what? It was fine. I'm going to be fine. Everything's fine. 
So that is, uh, you know, crushes stink and I can't do anything like I can't, you know, make tea and carry it anywhere because I'm on crutches. So it's like I have to eat everything standing up. So I've just been eating cold pizza. Um, I can make you tea (laughs) if you want. (laughs) Like, just tell me and I'll make you, like, because I'll probably be making myself tea as well. (laughs) Okay. I'll let you know. I just don't want to bother you. Um, No, it won't bother me. Plus, I'm on pain medicine that makes me sleep all day anyway. So it's fine. Like, everything's fine. But it makes me very tired and when the pain medicine wears off, I know it right away. I'm like, meh. No. So that has kept me up. I have a quick listener update. My mother is a very active listener, and I really appreciate her. So update, we, on the, the Demon House documentary, my mom wrote in and had a theory about what was going on. My mom's theory is that LaToya was like practicing like voodoo or something on her own which is why everything that was dug up in the basement was so random so she was like trying to do her own sort of you know spells or or, you know and it went wrong like she didn't know how to close it or it was like too powerful she didn't know where her sources were coming from which I think is interesting because none of the previous owners had reported anything and it was like so extreme like what was going on that I think that's a pretty interesting theory. So thanks, Mom. Yeah, that is an interesting theory. I think it makes sense. I think so. So, uh, you know, don't mess with things you don't know, kids. Stay away from Ouija boards. Don't do seances. Don't sacrifice anything. Anyway, I don't know. <laughs> Sounds good, like fun, advice, but don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> you think it's a good idea at the time. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, the <laughs> Chicago PD increased. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> Elizabeth and I also watched the Demon House documentary, and it was pretty scary. It was terrifying. Like, you know, you expect some level of cheesiness with Zach Bagans as the star of it, but it was actually really scary. It was. I thought he did a good job, but I, I was creeped out. And uh, we staged the house afterwards, right? Very thoroughly. Yeah, we did like every nook and cranny, so. Yeah. There you have it. I'm going to light it. Okay. I believe you are going first. I believe I am going first. Wow, that candle is popping. (laughs) Quite the flame. Okay. Tell me something sad. Well, okay. Content warning for violence and sexual assault. So this takes place in California. Okay, cool. Which is so far from here. It's so cal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> You're um, like get away. <laughs> Go to bed. <laughs> and it's about a serial killer. Oh wait, is it Zodiac? No. Is it Okay. I'm Okay. So the the killer goes by many names actually. Okay. We have the Vizalia Ransacker. Okay. The East Area Rapist. The East Side Rapist. The East Bay Rapist. The Diamond Knot Killer. Night Stalker. The o- Night Stalker. Original Night Stalker. Ramirez? Uh-uh. Oh. Eron's. I don't know what that stands for. It's in all caps. And finally, the Golden State Killer. 
Okay, perfect. This is a notorious one. Yeah. I'm excited. Okay. So he first started committing crimes in the 70s. Okay. The early 70s. Which, like, honestly, I'm not super surprised that people or that he got away with it for so long because, like, in the 70s, what could you really, like, they didn't, it was so low tech with investigations and stuff like no cell phone no phone records no dna right so like what can you really do anyway i'm glad it's not the 70s anymore right so that hair was just oh no i'm thinking of the 80s go on no 80s hair is the worst although 80s fashion has grown on me recently i'm really into shoulder pads yeah they're they're coming back they're coming back everything's a cycle so the, the man went by many names from 1973 to 76. He was active as the Visalia Ransacker. I hope I'm saying that right. Visalia is a town in California, as mentioned. And basically, this ransacker was breaking into people's houses and, like, vandalizing their stuff, basically, but not really stealing anything of value. So he would break into a house and he would steal stuff like coins or like personal stuff or like women's underwear. That's kind of no, no. Yeah, I know. (sighs) Sometimes he would rearrange stuff in the house. (laughs) This was not in Roy (laughs) Jibiv. Why is my closet suddenly color sorted? (laughs) Why does it go by sleeve length? That's so specific. Um, he would also steal postage stamps a lot <laughs> and like random jewelry, like a single earring. That would drive something. That would explain, like, could you imagine, like, effing, like messing with someone to that extent? It's like, oh my God, like, I must have lost an earring. And it's like, that is very malicious. Right, right. I know. It's, yeah. Between 1974 and 75, Vizalia had. 85 burglaries he was like he just like did it all the time on there was one day where he on november 30th 1974 where he committed 12 different burglaries dude yeah and then uh there was a murder so what made him decide to just switch to murder was he like not getting a thrill from robin anymore or was someone home i feel like you're gonna tell me go on Yeah, well, you know, so he starts out burglarizing people's homes, and then he sort of escalates with his crimes over the years. So the first known murder was of a man... Clog. (laughs) Clog. A man named Clog. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. No, he was named Claude, actually. Claude Snelling. He was a journalism professor, a man after my own heart. And on September 11th, 1975, he, his daughter, Elizabeth, my namesake, I know, was outside her house on September 11th, 1975, when a man wearing a ski mask pointed a gun at her and said if she made any noise, he would kill her. So he was basically trying to abduct her. And then her dad, Claude heard something going on outside and came outside and was like holy shit this guy's trying to abduct my daughter and basically 
try to fight him off. Hmm. And he, the man in the ski mask, shot him and killed him. And then his daughter Elizabeth was hiding on the ground and she thought he was going to kill her too. But he kicked her in the head and then ran away. Oh, rude. Yeah. So then it, it escalates from, there is the murder, but it's mostly been burglaries at this point. Then from 1976 to 1979, he was known as the East Area Rapist because his crime spree escalated to rapes. And he stalked women at night in middle-class neighborhoods um, who lived alone in ranch houses. He would, like, prowl the property beforehand to stalk them, and sometimes he would call them randomly throughout the day to try and learn their routines before he broke into their houses so he knew when they were home. Yeah. Yeah. So first he was targeting women who lived alone, which is terrifying because this happens, I feel like, with a lot of serial killers. And I I think, like, whenever I'm home alone, I think about it sometimes and freak myself out. Mm -hmm. Me too. But then he moved on to couples. He would break in and wake them up, usually when they were, this was when they were asleep. Um, So he would tie them up and he would usually force the woman to tie up the man and then he would separate them and put dishes on the man's back and said he would kill everyone in the house if he heard them move the dishes and then he would like move the woman somewhere else and just like rape her for a long time Mm. and he would go through their house and like all go through all their stuff and eat their food and stuff while they were tied up basically and sometimes he would play tricks on them and make them think he had left and then jump out what asshole yeah I and mean, obviously but mm. yeah and he would steal stuff too like he did when he was burglarizing houses and stuff yeah so in total he knowingly or he's known to have committed over 50 rapes jeez Okay, and then it escalates even further to murder. In 1978, he killed a couple named Brian and Katie Maggiore who were walking their dog. No. Yeah, I don't know what happened to the dog. Okay, well, that's... I know. Jeez, you just think you're taking... Like, you're doing something so innocent. I know, right? Like, they're just walking their dog in their neighborhood. So, okay... (laughs) Does this dude have a motive? Like, does he just, like, randomly attack people? Or, like, what is... Is he randomly triggered? Like, I just don't understand. Uh, you'll find out. Okay. So that was in February 1978 when they were walking their dog and he shot them. And then in December of 1979, uh, a couple named Deborah Manning and Robert Offerman were murdered. They were found shot to death in the bedroom of his condo. Oh, my God. Yeah, the neighbors heard shots, but they thought they were fireworks. So they didn't report it. And then one of his friends came over because they were supposed to play tennis and found them. He was an orthopedic surgeon who was in the process of getting a a divorce and was dating 
Oh, I'm sorry. She, not he, she was an orthopedic surgeon who Good was in the middle of a divorce, and he was a psychologist okay. who was also recently divorced. And then in March 1980, Lyman and Charlene Smith were murdered. He was about to be named a judge. So that's what he did. And then he, the, the murderer broke into their house, tied them up, um, and bound their hands in this knot called the diamond knot, which mm-hmm. is why they called him the diamond knot killer for a while. He sexually assaulted Charlene and then bludgeoned them with a log from their fireplace. But the police didn't know at first, like they didn't connect their murders with any other murders because both of them had had affairs when they were married. And so the police were looking into those people instead. And then they were found by his, the guy's son, which was really sad. That's terrible. He came, he was 12. Oh my God. And he came over to mow the lawn. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay, August 1980, Keith and Patrice Harrington, they had just been married, and they were bludgeoned to death in their home. Uh, He was a med student, and she was a nurse. In February 1981, Manuela Wittoon was bound, raped, and bludgeoned to death. July 1981, Cherry Domingo and Gregory Sanchez were killed and bludgeoned to death after being tied up. And then in 1986, 18-year-old Janelle Cruz was murdered. Um, and she's the killer's last known victim. Uh, a friend left her at her house while her family was in Mexico. So she was home alone, and then he came in and bludgeoned her with a pipe wrench. Oh, my God. No. Yeah. And she was found by a real estate agent the next day because they planned to show the house. That is absolutely horrible. Yeah. So that's his last known crime. And then no one really heard from him, except he would, like, randomly call the police station and some of the victims and talk to them. That is so messed up. Yeah, and be like, hey, I'm the, like, I'm so-and-so, or like, I'm the East Side Rapist, haha. Or he'd call the victims and be like, remember me, kind of thing. What, is, is this the same guy that would be like, oh, I, like, I know, like, he would call with things that only, like, the victims or the police would know and, like, kind of taunt them like that, or? I'm not sure. Okay. I'm not sure specifically what he said. But his last call was in 2001 to someone. 2001. Or last reported call. And then in 1977, someone claiming to be the East Area Rapist sent a poem to the Sacramento newspaper. I'm going to read it to you. It's called Excitement's Crave. Okay, here we go. Oh, no. I'm not. Okay, hold on. Okay. Okay, go. All those mortals surviving birth upon facing maturity take inventory of their worth to prevailing society. Choosing values becomes a task. oneself must seek satisfaction. The selected route will unmask character when plans take action. Accepting some work to perform at fixed pay but promise for more is a recognized social norm, as is decorum seeking lore. 
Achieving while others lifting should be cause for deserving fame. Leisure tempts excitement seeking, what's right and expected seems tame. Jesse James has been seen by all, and Son of Sam has an author. Others now feel temptations call. Sacramento should make an offer. To make a movie of my life that will pay for my planned exile. Just now I'd like to add the wife of a mafia lord to my file. Your East Area Rapist and Deserving Pest. See you in the press or on TV. What? Yeah. What's that? I don't know, man. Okay, and then fast forward to 2016. So this guy's been killing people for a long time, since the early 70s. And it was a cold case for a long time. But in 2016, Sacramento County District Attorney Anne-Marie Schubert created a task force to try to find him. And the FBI offered a reward. And writer Michelle McNamara wrote a book about it. It was published after her death called I'll Be Gone in the Dark. Have you heard of it? No, I haven't. Mm. And she started a true crime diary website. And it may or may not become the book. May or may not become an HBO series at some point. Or maybe it has. I don't know. So I don't really keep up with HBO. But who knows? Okay, so who is the Golden State Killer? Well, he was not a nice person. No. No, he was not. Have you heard about his arrest at all? Yes. Okay. But go ahead. Cool. So he was arrested in April of 2018 at his home in Sacramento. He was living with his daughter and his granddaughter. Officers showed up to his house and he was like, oh, I have a roast in the oven. And they were like, we'll take care of it. <laughs> no, you you can't take me. I have twenty more minutes in the oven. Like, I so do you think they were gonna be like, oh, oh okay. okay, we'll come back. I understand. Yeah, just go. Oh my god, turn like, off your oven. Go do it. Where'd you get the recipe? <laughs> okay, so before I go into how they caught him, I will tell you a little bit about him. His name is Joseph James D'Angelo. He was born in New York in 1945. Abused by his father growing up. As a teenager, he committed a bunch of burglaries and liked to torture and kill animals. So it's kind of a red that's flag. Not kind of. That, that's no, it's a huge, it's a biggest gigantic red, red flag. <laughs> You're a psychopath. Okay. <laughs> Congratulations. Um, then he went to Vietnam, joined the military, came back from Vietnam, got a bachelor's in criminal justice. He was briefly engaged, but he was super abusive, so she broke it off. Good for her. Mm-hmm. In 1973, he got married. He has three daughters. Him and his wife separated in the 90s. In 2018, they got divorced. wonder why. I, I don't know. He seems like a pillar of the community, so. Yeah. And, okay, but the other thing is that from 1973 to 1976, when the Visalia Ransacker was active, D'Angelo was a burglary, burglary unit police officer. Mm. Mm-hmm. 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 Convenient. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then uh, he was a police officer in a different location from 76 to 79 in Auburn, California. And he was fired in 79 for shoplifting a hammer and a can of dog repellent. 
oh that that's it that's what he gets caught doing after all of this yeah (laughs) it's like when al capone was arrested for tax evasion (laughs) well he wasn't arrested for shoplifting he was just fired it would be nice if like that seems like a very low level like oh we're gonna fire you like i feel like police officers do worse things and don't get fired anyway i'm (laughs) <laughs> okay, so <laughs> so how did they catch this guy? Um, have you have you heard about this? I have, but it's been a really long time since I've heard about it. Okay. All right. I say really long time. Like I I listened to some episode of something else like within a year. Right. Yeah. No. No. You're fine. You're fine. Oh yeah, I forgot to include that after. Like, when he was arrested, he'd been working for 27 years in a grocery store distribution warehouse. A man who worked with him said that he was a regular Joe, except he never smiled. Oh. Um, okay. <laughs> but I absolutely love her when she, she smiles. <laughs> neighbors, his neighbors, uh, they had different things to say about if he was, like, quote-unquote normal but I guess he did have a reputation for having a quick temper. Okay. So he was found. He was arrested because of genetic genealogy. That means that if your DNA is available, it can be matched with relatives, and then they create basically a family tree out of that and narrow it down over time. That's insane. Yeah, it's science rules. There's a show that my mom really likes that came on recently. I forget what it's called, but it's with this genetic genealogist named Cece Moore. I think she actually worked on this case, and it gives examples of like how she put put it together because it's like, you know, you upload it, and then it's like, oh, this person is this person's like third cousin twice removed, and then you're like, okay, and then you have to like go from there and do all this research. The family yeah. tree jigsaw puzzle. Yeah, I think actually I'd be really good at it. Like, I've thought about doing it before. <laughs> like, I'm like, What's oh, stopping you? What Go I? for it. I don't know. It'd be kind of cool. Paul Holes, one of the main investigators on this case, who actually also has another podcast called The Murder Squad, which is really good. Mm. Highly recommend. He reached out to a genetic genealogist named Barbara Ray Venter who is pretty cool. She's a retired attorney. She has a PhD in biology. And she got into genetic genealogy for fun after a random cousin found her on a DNA match site and needed help finding his biological father. Hmm. So it's, it's like her hobby, but I guess now she's helping police with it. That's awesome. And so basically... If you upload your DNA to 23andMe or Ancestry.com or something like that, the police can't just go in there and take your data. Okay. Well, you that have makes to, sense. Like yeah. privacy and... Okay. Right. But there are third-party sites, like this one called GED Match, GED Match, and it's, the rules are like kind of loosey-goosey, and so the police can go into that one, and you can download... Date your data from 23andMe, for example, and, and upload it to GEDmatch. And so that's how the police kind of, or how, how the genetic genealogist got started there. So first, Barbara found, had to find common ancestors for this guy. And 
a lot of them were recent Italian immigrants, which is basically a dead end because... They were in Italy. Yeah. But then she looked at... He had this British side of his family. Oh, bonjour. <laughs> you say bonjour. Leave me alone. <laughs> I'm not myself. <laughs> oh, bonjour. <laughs> oh, no, it's a full battery. Oh, my God. Please delete all of that. Okay. <laughs> um... So she found the British side of his family and then kept filling in the gaps with doing her research, going on social media, family tree data, you know, searching the libraries for newspaper clippings, whatever. The works. And it took them several months, but after a while, they had a good handful of suspects, basically. Okay, good for her. And they did have the killer's DNA that he had left. Crime scenes. Amazing. Mm -hmm. There was one guy who was the main suspect, and they thought it was him, and it looked a lot like the sketches that they'd created uh, back in the day. But he was not a DNA match, but he was closely related Hmm. to the match. And so they turned on, you can like look at all these different tendencies and stuff um, where the DNA predicts things like eye color and whatever wait so what i'm sorry what does it mean if he looked sim like so back when he was committing crimes the police created a lot of sketches from the victims who would describe him okay but the dna looks similar um no the the guy sorry so the guy among this handful of suspects they found this one guy who looked a lot like the police sketch oh so the he had like similar features mm-hmm. okay i thought yeah. you were saying like the dna looked the same but it wasn't a match so I'm oh sorry. yeah no, that's no, what no. i heard no you're fine okay yeah exactly and then they turned on these filters in the software that said that the suspect likely had blue eyes and premature baldness and there was only one photo in their handful of suspects who had a receding hairline dun 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 and guess who it was it was it the, was the killer. The guy. Joseph D'Angelo. Yes. I was going to say dog food man because he stole dog food. <laughs> no, it was dog repellent, <laughs> which is somehow <laughs> even worse. <laughs> he doesn't like dogs. He That's doesn't a red like flag. <laughs> well, he used to torture animals. So. Oh, my God. Yeah, you're right. We don't like him. No, we don't like him. He can't him. sit with no, us. No, he's very bad. He's very bad. So then the police went to his house they kind of like staked him out and they took a used tissue from his trash can outside gross which had his dna on it i'd hate to be that guy to be like oh, go, grab it. go look through his garbage <laughs> but it was match it's a match yeah hooray it was it was a match and so then they knew it was him and then they arrested him as he was making a roast allegedly <laughs> but I have a roast in the oven. But you can't take me to prison. <laughs> I have a roast. Well, oven. this is actually a really bad time for me. I, uh, I told, <laughs> I've been planning this, and like the the meat's gonna go bad if I don't cook it right now. So this is like a special family dinner. Stay it's, home. Um, this means a lot. To, anyway, go on. Yeah. So the same technique has been used to solve at this point almost a hundred other murders and rapes Amazing. across the country. So it's and this was the first crime to be solved or like the first conviction based on genetic genealogy. 
in the U.S. That's fascinating. Yeah, so back to D'Angelo. Once he was arrested, he kind of confessed. But, or after his arrest, he was talking about he has this, like, other personality named Jerry who forced him to commit his crimes when he was alone in his interrogation room after he was arrested. They heard him say, I didn't have the strength to push him out. He made me. He went with me. It was like in my head. I mean, he's a part of me. I didn't want to do those things. I pushed Jerry out and had a happy life. I did all those things. I destroyed all their lives. So now I've got to pay the price. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's intense. So he's like talking about like another personality or something. Yeah, or like just like this other part of him or something. Like a Jekyll and Hyde thing. Yeah, it's like it's super weird. So then in June 2020, he had his trial. Uh, Prosecutors were kind of talking about the death penalty. Okay. But he obviously didn't want the death penalty, so he accepted a plea deal Mm -hmm. um, where he pleaded guilty to 13 counts of first-degree murder. 13. mm Mm-hmm. And the statute of limitations was passed for the burglaries and the rapes, so he couldn't be charged with those. But um, he admitted to victimizing at least 87 people at 53 separate crime scenes in 11 California counties. So, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Dude. Including nearly 50 rapes. Mm. I hate that. Mm-hmm. So he got life without parole... And then in August 2020, he had his sentencing where he was confronted by victims and their families. And over 45 of them spoke over three days. Wow. Most of them called him a monster. They talked about the lasting impacts on their lives, which is obviously awful. Some of them had numbness in their hands for months afterwards because he tied him up so tightly. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and obviously the psychological damage that comes along with that. And so he was sentenced to 11 life terms without parole. They should have done 13. Yeah, for 13 murders. And then an additional life term for 13 kidnappings, and then plus eight years for weapons charges. Okay, so he's going to be there a while. Yeah, he's going to die in prison. (laughs) (laughs) And his niece said that I personally feel that someone else is inside him who I do not know. Oh my gosh. So it's it's Jerry. So after everyone like gave him like talked to him and or like spoke about what had happened to them and everything, he stood up from his wheelchair and he said, "I've listened to all your statements, each one of them, and I'm truly sorry to everyone I have hurt." Yeah, now he's in jail. <laughs> okay. Um for the rest of his life, he's, I think he's 74 now. Mm. Yeah, like I said, the thing about this case that really stands out is the genetic genealogy thing. Mm-hmm. Because it was the first case using that technique. So, But really, the, the next discussion is there needs to be more regulation about this kind of thing. Like, it's very unregulated. Who can... One who can be a genetic genealogist, because there's a lot of randos who are like, yeah, I can do that. There's no, like, certification process. And then the privacy question. 
of course, is like who should whose data should be available to law enforcement, basically. Yeah. But I got distracted when I was doing these notes because I went and uploaded my DNA to GEDmatch. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah, I... <laughs> We'll see what happens. Well, hopefully you won't get murdered and we won't have to do it. Unless you are a murderer. <laughs> that would be awkward. Um, My roommate's a murderer. A memoir by yeah. Margot Masters. Knock on wood. Knock on wood, you, you would not be in a murderer. <laughs> well, no, knock on wood that, like... You never have to I don't use know. it. Yeah. You never have to use it. Well, it's, it's, like, essentially for ancestry purposes and genealogy purposes, it's not necessarily supposed to be used for law enforcement I see. purposes. But... But they do. Got it. So, got it, got it, got it. Yeah. I might just delete it at some point, but we'll see. Felt cute. Might delete. Yeah. There's a lot of um, people, like, in the discussion about privacy, a lot of people were saying that, you know, the question is, like, should, who whose DNA should be able to be accessed? What if your child or grandchild commits a crime in the future? Like, you know, but also, like, in my opinion... This isn't a very nuanced um, take, but, like, if my grandchild commits a crime and they find them because of my DNA, like, yeah, you know? Yeah. Like, why would I want them to get away with murder or whatever just because they're my grandkid? It's like, <laughs> you did the crime, you do the time, okay? Exactly. So, yeah, that's that's the Golden State Killer. Well, thank you. That was awful. <laughs> Oh, he's 75. Sorry, he's not 74. It's okay. You don't need to apologize. He's in jail. It doesn't matter after all. No, it doesn't. Not anymore. Oh, yeah. I don't know if I, like, said this officially, but he killed 13 people, raped 50 people, and burgled 120 people. Jerk. It's a lot of burglary. Rude. (laughs) Yeah. All right. What have you got for me? So, (laughs) this is, like, totes random, but, ew. Ew. Um, <laughs> uh, so when you were younger, like think back to when you were 12, okay, what was your favorite like slumber party activity or like when you had a sleepover with your friends, what was your go-to? Mm, maybe like truth or dare. Yeah. What about you? Uh, we would probably just like make stupid videos or watch movies or like dance. Mm. Like, oh yeah dance routines right we would make dance routines or just like dance to stupid music you know the works yeah we um, had a couple good solid routines to avril Levine's skater boy love it love her i love the old avril now she's like do you believe the conspiracy theory that she's been replaced by a body double 100 percent. 100 percent. we'll have to talk about that later <laughs> that is a topic for another day uh so our story takes place in Waukesha, Wisconsin. Oh, that's not too far from here. So 12-year-old Peyton Lautner was getting ready to celebrate a birthday at a sleepover with her friends Morgan and Anissa. Mm-hmm. Peyton and Morgan had been friends since they were in the fourth grade when Morgan was in alone and Peyton approached her, and ever since then they were inseparable. When is this again? This uh, takes place in 2014. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. they both were typically not like the most popular girls they were kind of you know shy and they had issues with like bullying and that sort of thing oh wait i know what this is okay i'm sorry i'm sorry go on yeah keep going okay okay so i mean they kind of like found each other so 
two years later in sixth grade, Anissa had, you know, come into the picture. And at that point, while they were all still friends, like, you know, groups of three tend to be sometimes hard on friendships, like one friend feels left out or Mm -hmm. sometimes like the interests aren't the same. I know, like, I found myself in those positions a lot where it's like you're still in the group, but it's like obviously like two friends bond a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So... One thing in particular that Anissa and Morgan were really into was they both had an obsession with Slender Man. Uh. (laughs) For those of you who don't know, Slender Man is a completely fictional character, or is he, that was created in 2009 on uh, on the site called Something Awful, and there was a paranormal Photoshop contest. So the winner of this contest was Eric Knudsen. And he submitted two black and white photos of a group of children. And in the background, there was a tall, thin figure that is all white with no facial features and wearing a black suit. So to me, it's kind of like a realistic Jack Skellington without a face. Mm -hmm. It's just like this tall, elongated, you know, scary man that lurks in the shadows. So... Where do you think he gets his suit? Probably men's warehouse. Yeah. 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 Or big and tall. Yeah, I'm thinking. <laughs> Taller and leaner. <laughs> uh, the alternative story. So of the two photos that he submitted, one of the photos had a caption that said, we didn't want to go. We didn't want to kill them. But the persistent silence and outstretched arms horrified and comforted us at the same time. And it had a timestamp that said 1983, photographer unknown to presumed dead. Oh my God, that's creepy. Yeah. I don't like that. The second photograph had a quote that read, One of two recovered photographs from the Sterling City Library blaze, notable for being taken the day of which 14 children vanished and for what is referred to as the Slender Man. Deformity cited as film defects by officials. Fire at library occurred one week later. Actual photograph confiscated as evidence, and that is timestamped 1986. Photographer Barry Thompson, missing since June 13th, 1986. And that's, you know, fictional. That's what mm-hmm. he posted, mm-hmm. and he won the contest. But when he submitted these photos, he obviously won. And, you know, this... The photos kind of blew up, you know, a different sort of, they, they blew up on the internet. So different fan fictions or myth, legends, artwork, folklore, whatever it may be, completely blew up with what the Slender Man was. And there is a YouTube series about a man who is being hunted by Slender Man, which is called Marble Hornets. Uh, there's video games made about him. Uh, which I've actually played because they're free to download and they're freaking terrifying. Oh, I've heard of those. I used to play them with my friend Hannah and she actually got so scared she punched me in the face. It was awesome. (laughs) So there's even a movie called Slender Man that came out in 2018. So we should watch it. Mm -hmm. Sure, let's do it. Okay. I'm going to hold you to that. (laughs) (laughs) I will watch it. Okay. I thought you didn't like scary movies. Oh, I don't, but (laughs) okay. So the thing with Slender Man is part of like the the legend or the creepy factor is 
the more that you seek to know him, the more likely he will come to find you and like be present. Like the great pumpkin. Sure. That's a really random. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Like it's like that type of thing where it's like if you learn more about him, he'll like come find you. Okay. Which is like eerie because I remember Nikki and I like talked about Slender Man a lot and she's like, I know he's not real, but like I just keep finding out more about him and <laughs> I can't help it. I can't help it. Um, so he causes technology to malfunction. He causes paranoia, uh, disorientation and insanity. He also has tentacles that come out of his back. He casual, right? You know, he just <laughs> sorry, I got sneeze. Don't mind that. Uh, <laughs> you can look up Slender Man, that might be a topic for another day. Like, we could go into that, but anyway, I'm gonna do it right now just for a reference. Okay, I think what's so creepy about it is because there is like no facial features, it's like you don't know the intention right away, you know, right. The tentacles are intense. Yeah. (laughs) He's wearing a fedora in this one. (laughs) No. That is the scariest of it all. No. (laughs) Not the fedora. No. (laughs) Why? He was trying to be hip. (laughs) It's from the New York Times. (laughs) Okay. Really? He gets... Okay. Anyway. He had a a profile done in the New York Times about his (laughs) lifestyle. (laughs) So, like, why do you live in the woods and lure children? (laughs) Can you tell me more about that? (laughs) Anyway, Morgan and Anissa were, like, really into Slender Man. And Peyton was, like, kind of scared of it. But, I mean, she stayed tuned in because she wanted to support her friends. But Morgan and Anissa were, like, where they truly believed it was real. Like, it wasn't just, like, you mm-hmm. know, we were able to be like, oh, it's it's not real, but it's still, like, something that we let ourselves get spooked about. But they were like, no, he's real. Like, he's he's real for sure. Like, I promise. It was May 30th of 2014, and the three girls were getting together to celebrate Morgan's birthday. They went roller skating, they had pizza, and they played with their American Girl dolls. And then things kind of turned odd. So something Peyton noticed was it was a little weird because Morgan was really adamant about going to bed. She's like, let's go to sleep. Like, I want to go to bed. And it's like, when you have slumber parties, you're like, let's stay up all night and talk mm-hmm. about whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, or, like, see who would fall asleep. The, the, You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like, stay up all night talking. Right. So, however, they all get up the next day. They fell asleep. And then decided to go to the local park. It was a really nice day. Morgan's mom made donuts and strawberries. And like they're like, oh, it's a really nice day. Can we go to the park? So she's like, yeah, absolutely. So she drops them off because they're 12. They don't need to be like supervised. Mm-hmm. Um, when they go to the park, they decide to play hide and seek. And the girls are walking down a path near a wooded area. And Anissa and Morgan were about like five feet from Peyton when Anissa yelled, Morgan, now. And then Morgan jumped Peyton and continued to stab her multiple times. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. With what? With a nine-inch kitchen knife. Oh, my God. Or, like, the blade was nine inches. It was, like, a 13-inch knife. But anyway. 
So Peyton was screaming the entire time saying things like, I can't see, I trusted you. Like, uh, you know, she was obviously in distress. Like, and, and then Peyton said they left Peyton in the woods and they said that they would go get help, but really they, they went to go find Slenderman to let him know that, you know, I, I am worthy. We, we sacrifice someone for you. And they wanted to go like live at his mansion in the woods with him. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Somehow, Peyton, this this brave, strong little girl, was able to drag herself closer to the path from the deeper part of the woods where they were, and she, you know, and she had just been stabbed, and the path had been actually like chained off. But luckily, a biker named Greg Steinberg uh, was riding his bike, and he went around like the chain, and he mm-hmm. like continued to ride so it got like really lucky and he saw Peyton laying in the grass and he stopped and she said can you please help me I've been stabbed multiple times so he whips out his phone and he immediately calls 911 and on the call you can hear it like the recording of it Mm -hmm. and you know he lets them know what happened and he's like this girl has been stabbed and they're like what like a girl's been what and he goes the girl's been stabbed and you can hear Greg comforting her, saying, like, oh, it's okay, honey. Like, they're on their way. And, and so it's really sad. Oh, my God. That's so terrible. So in total, Peyton had been stabbed 19 times in the arms, legs, abdomen, and the chest with a kitchen knife that had a nine-inch blade. Oh, my God. Doctors said that she was one millimeter from death. <gasps> Oh, my God. Like, that's how far away the knife was from puncturing an artery in her heart. Oh, my God. So lucky. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. And they originally said that it was unlikely that she would survive because, like, two arteries were punctured and, and like, it was just, you know, oh 19 God. times. Yeah. Holy shit. But thankfully, she did survive. So Morgan and Anissa were found five miles from the park along Interstate 94. So the knife was actually in the bag that they were carrying. So they didn't even try to like hide it. Mm. They like still had it in their bag. Mm-hmm. And when police found them, they never denied it. In fact, like when they were picked up by the police, Morgan had blood on her clothes and like they were relatively calm. Oh my God. Right. So both girls were obviously questions. And this is kind of where the stories vary because each of the girls, you know, they're young and They know that they're in trouble, and they're both, like, kind of pointing the finger on the other one. Mm -hmm. However, it is for a fact that Morgan was the one that stabbed Peyton. Mm -hmm. And in the state of Wisconsin, it's legal to interrogate a minor without a parent or guardian there. Oh, why? I thought they think that it's because kids will be more honest if their parent's not there. Oh. Which Mm. I think is really interesting. That is really interesting. So this is where things get wild. There is an entire documentary that you can watch, like, with the whole thing. You can watch all the interviews, the interrogation, everything. Mm. I'm just going to kind of give some highlights. So to start, Morgan says, I might as well just say it. Uh, We were trying to kill her. And she explained that they attempted the murder to appease, quote, whoever Anissa was talking about. She made it seem necessary. And then she paused and said, this is going to get me arrested, isn't it? No, they're going to let you go. 
Well, I, I mean, they're kids. Just a little slap on the wrist. Yeah. So when the officer asked Morgan why she did it, she said it was necessary. So she then asked if Peyton was alive, and the officer replied, she's in the hospital. And then she just said, oh. Like, as it, as calmly as if you were to say, like, tomorrow it's going to be partly cloudy. And she was just like, oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. It was also revealed that they originally wanted to kill her on the night of the sleepover, but Morgan said, I wanted to give her at least one more morning. Which is so eerie. Oh, my God. Which is also to, you know, what Peyton said. She thought it was really weird that they, like, really wanted to go to bed. Mm -hmm. They were like, oh, let's go to bed. Like, I'm tired. Mm -hmm. Like, whatever. Mm -hmm. It had also been something that they had been planning for at least six months. They created code names for things. So whenever they said the word cracker, they were talking about a knife. Whenever they were talking about, like, the killing, they were talking about an itch. Whoa. Uh, So they had a few different plans, you know, thought out on how they would do it. The first was at the sleepover, they would tape Peyton's mouth shut and stab her in the neck. But they didn't go through with it because they were, like, too tired from rollerblading that night from the birthday party. And they're like, you have to be, like, you know, present to do it. Or you have to be, like, ready to go. Uh, They're too, like, groggy, they said. So then they worked up another plan to kill her in the bathroom of the park because they said that the park bathroom had, quote, drains for the blood. Which is so... Oh my God. Disturbing. So they were like really, really planning. They this were out. like not just like oh yeah, let's kill her. Or like they were like mm. okay, we're gonna do it here because of this. It's it's oh so God. messed up. They got there and they they didn't have the nerve to do it because like. So they that's when they decided to play hide and seek. I don't know if it was just like they you know chickened out. They didn't want to go through with it, or mm. if there was like people nearby. I'm not sure. Mm. But they decided not to do it in the bathroom. So that's when they suggested we play hide and seek. So they were walking down like a path and like they were in the woods. And then eventually Anissa said, she said to Morgan, go ballistic, go crazy, make sure she's down. So the officer then asked, what did you do next? And then she says, Morgan says, I already told you, stab, 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 stab. And then she goes, it was weird. I felt no remorse. I thought I could. I thought I would feel remorse, but I actually felt nothing. 12 years old. Oh, my God. That's so eerie coming out of a kid's mouth. Exactly. So then Anissa said, I actually thought that he, Slender Man, was real because I saw him. And then she said that they were on a bus and she looked out the window and she saw something standing with his tendrils and it looked exactly like a tree. He was there and gone. So she was really scared. Like she, she got so invested into this that she truly believed that Slender Man would kill her whole family if she didn't, you know, do something Oh my God. to show that she was like there for him. So both of them confessed and they were both 100% sure that he was real and that they were going to kill someone to show his worth. And then eventually they would go, you know, live with him in his mansion in the woods. So that was like their big plan. 
You can find this documentary online and there is an entire 2020 special called The Wicked on it as well. Oh my God. So the trial, uh, Morgan and Anissa were tried as adults, mm. uh, which I think is pretty crazy as well because they're 12, but I right. mean, it is a pretty severe case. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's like kind of a lot of controversy about that. Mm-hmm. In their web history, they found hundreds of search results for things that were like how to get away with murder and how insane am I and a bunch of like things within that spectrum, which mind you, if you were to look at my browser history, it's obviously very messed up, but I, I digress. I mean, look at what our podcast is, but anyway. Right. There was also like email exchanges between the two of them saying like, oh, don't forget to clear your browser history. Oh my God. <laughs> Something to also note that I didn't mention earlier is Morgan was actually diagnosed with early onset schizophrenia, and that's extremely uncommon at her age. Wow. Her family also revealed that her father had schizophrenia too, Mm. so it was likely that one of their kids would have it. So she was actually, like in her mind, she was actually seeing Slender Man. Mm -hmm. And Yusa was just like, I think so hyped into it that like it felt real to her Mm -hmm. um so both girls entered the case uh with not guilty pleas by reason of mental disease or defect so anisa was supposed to go to trial first but she took a last minute plea deal she pleaded guilty to a lesser charge of attempt of second degree uh intentional homicide Mm mm-hmm So as part of her deal, a jury would hear her insanity defense and decide whether she was criminally responsible and if she should be sent to prison or if she was not guilty by reason of mental disease or defect and she would be sent to a mental institution. Hmm. So in 2017, a jury found her not guilty by reason of mental disease or defect, so she was sentenced to 25 years of, in a state institution. Oh, my God. That's such a long time. I know. Wow. And then Morgan, uh, her lawyers, also cut a deal with prosecutors. So she pleaded guilty to attempted first-degree intentional homicide, and prose- prosecutors agreed not to challenge her insanity defense. Uh, she was sentenced to a 40-year uh, commitment oh, wow. in a state institution. Uh, And then she ended with saying, I just want to let Peyton and her family know I'm sorry. I never meant for this to happen. And then she she was crying during her sentences. So she showed like remorse then. Mm -hmm. So now they're both 17 and they're being held at Winnebago Mental Health Institute in Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. As for Peyton, she actually only spent six days in the hospital. Wow. And she returned to school that September and you know she's doing okay uh she you know spoke out about everything that happened in the documentary uh the 2021 and I also just want to say that you know they all came from good supportive families it's Mm. and that the parents have been getting a lot of criticism like why haven't you been monitoring your kids or like why did you let this happen it's like well Think back to, like, when you were kids. Like, we freaked ourselves up. Like, we knew about mm-hmm. Slender Man. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, not when we were, like, 12. But it's, like, you know, you're not going to hover. And I I think there's a line of if it's something that you're totally, like, freaking out about or obsessed over, like, talk to your parents or 
I mean, you're a kid, though. You don't know. Mm. And, like, when your friends are also hyped about it, it's... Right. So... It's not the parents' fault. Right. And, um, you know, the dad had schizophrenia, but he was, you know, seeing treatment for it, and he had it, like, under control, so it Mm. wasn't anything like that either. So Mm. that is the Slenderman stabbing. Wow. I'm... Yeah, I'm kind of, like, shocked by the sentences. That's, like, 40 years. Yeah. I mean, obviously they did a terrible thing, but like, I mean, I guess I have a lot of feelings about trying kids as adults in general, but like, right. I mean, yeah, especially in those types of cases where you plead insanity, it's really hard to get out of there. I don't know. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty intense. So. Oh my God. Well, <laughs> it's always this. This one's always so heavy. Like how do we end it afterwards? I know. Well, we definitely have to watch the Slenderman movie. Yeah. Um, if you want, we can watch the documentary as well. Let's see what I got on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> Probably not very good, but I don't know. We can play the game. Do you want me to download it? <laughs> Guess what I got on Rotten Tomatoes? Like two. Eight percent. So you actually almost. Oh, I was saying like two stars. Oh, no, I got 8%. Oh, okay. Well, um, I was off by uh, 12 because, like, I was thinking, tw- like, 2 out yeah. of 10 stars. I don't know. Audience score, 17%. All right, so we can skip that so. one. <laughs> Unless we would just want to, like, make fun of it. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh-huh. what was your – what was, like, the, the big scary thing? I don't know. I guess – our thing was vampires like we didn't think they were real but like yeah we were in middle school and high school and highlight twilight was like all the i i'm done i've talked about it so much i don't even know twilight 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 Twilight. oh my god twilight (laughs) um yeah if you're listening to this, this comes out on the 15th. I hope you guys survived Friday the 13th. Oh, my God. That's tomorrow. Icky. Oh, my God. What's the moon phase tomorrow? A waning crescent in Libra. What does that mean? It says you might have a strong need for balance and harmony now. Yeah, because I'm on crutches. <laughs> you probably desire to keep things nice rather than venturing <laughs> into fundamental questions in order not to disturb the peace. Yeah. You must learn to share your good and bad feelings. Do not be afraid to be who you really are despite what is expected of you. Organs influenced by the Libra moon sign. Kidney, <laughs> urinary bladder, veins, skin is an organ of touch. Pancreas, insulin, glucagon. What's that? I don't know. Surgical operations are recommended during the waning moon. Well, that's good because I just had one. (laughs) Okay. However, avoid surgeries of organs under the influence of the moon sign. Well, I don't know what the phase of the moon was when you got your surgery. No, mine was skin. So that's fine. Okay. Cool, 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 cool. Well, thank you all so much for listening. We really appreciate it. I'm Margo. And I'm Elizabeth. This is the Insomnia Report. Like us on social media, rate us on Apple Podcasts, and if you want to say hi, you can, or, okay, so let me tell you, if you have a question, comment, concern, sorry if you have (laughs) 
If you have a episode suggestion, if you have any feedback on a past episode, if you want to submit a listener report, you can email us at theinsomniareport at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Please write us. We would also love to give credit to the artists that have helped us. Our theme music is composed by Colin Whitlish, and production of music is by Justin Toome. And our cover art is by Erica Chase. Tune in next week. We will be discussing a, another wild card. Ooh, I'm excited. I am too. I have no idea what I'm going to talk about. Actually, that's, no, wait, I kind of do. That's the thing about wild card is it could literally be anything. Anything at all. Thanks again. I'm Margo. And I'm Elizabeth. We really appreciate you guys. Stay safe out there. Wash your hands. Wear a mask. But uh, don't break any mirrors, please. (laughs) Stay sleepy. Be nice to your wait staff. Be nice to retail workers. Tip generously. Um, (laughs) I'm going to (gasps) stop. I need to go to bed. (laughs) Me too. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.